Hello, Jordan. What's up, Michael? How goes? Dude, it's going well. How's your workout? My workout was mediocre. Just a quick little pump session at home. Little home pump session. Nothing crazy. Oh, you didn't go to the gym? Nah. You have the Bowflex? Yeah. Bowflex, did some pull-ups, some mobility. Oh, you have a chin-up bar? Mm-hmm. Nice. You have a bench? Not yet. I don't really work out from home. Got it. Yeah. Okay. How are you? Good, man. I feel good. I feel great. I really wish we would have had the 30 seconds before we hit record on the podcast because that was oh, outstanding. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing on our list? Yeah, dude, I'm doing super well from the perspective of I'm posting every day. Well, not every day. Every scheduled day. On Sunday, our- Monday, Tuesday. Sunday, Three Monday, weeks Tuesday. in a row, absolutely mm-hmm. crushing it. Instagram yeah. at Personal Trainer Podcast. We have a system. Yep, you are killing those, dominating it. I love it. What's up with you, bro? What are we, what are we doing today? What are we talking about? What's uh, what's on the schedule? What aren't we talking about? Oh yeah, I forgot. I sent you a list of things to talk about. Yep, BMI is on there. Oh wow, dude! It's I'm so glad I texted you that list because I would have forgot. Uh, the comments on YouTube after the pillows episode. From two weeks oh, ago, yeah. not we're surprised. outstanding. So big shout out to all you leaving comments. Uh, glad you jumped over to YouTube for that one. I, I knew that was going to go crazy as you were doing it. I was just losing it laughing. And I knew that people watching were going to lose it. That was probably like the greatest moment in all of podcasting history. Definitely not. I just hope that people, uh, in addition to gleaning some entertainment and humor from it, actually dial in their sleep, which will improve their lives. Dude, I, I found the the list that I texted you. You have the list? What do you want to dive into? All right. I'm so glad I texted you these because if I didn't, there's no way I would have remembered that. And they're actually like, they sort of lead into each other. They're like the same, they're similar topics, okay, but different. And like, like similar uh, principle, but different topics of getting to the principle. So the first thing is... Um, Organic. Anytime I bring up organic on social media, people get really upset. And I used to be like fully into organic is better organic is and specifically healthier, right? There are two main arguments. Like one is that it's more nutritious. And the other is that it's safer. The nutritious argument, I think fewer people believe nowadays, like they understand that organic doesn't mean more nutritious. Um, but the safer one is like the the real like major point of contention that people get upset about. They're like, it is safer. It is safer. There aren't pesticides, blah, blah, blah. And I used to believe that until I actually studied it and read the research and blah, blah, blah. And I realized it's, that's actually, it's not accurate. Um, and <laughs> this is crazy. So I, I posted about it again recently. And every time that I post about it, I get a couple of messages saying the same thing. So I get people <clears throat> who their the, their job is to spray pesticides on crops. I get people who message okay. me, hey, that's my job, just so you know. And every time, this past time I did, I got two people saying, hey, this is my job, just want you to know. They, and they, they both said, they're like, please don't put my name or my handle or my picture if you decide to share this, that you need to like keep me anonymous. But- 
for whatever it's worth, any time an organic farm has too many bugs on their crops, who do you think they call and pay extra to have me spray in the middle of the night? Mm. Wow. Which I was like, Sneaky. how fucking, why? like two separate people messaged me this saying like, just so you know, even the organic farms, like when the bugs get to be too much, mm-hmm. who do you think they're calling? And so it's, mm-hmm. it, it's, and obviously organic farms, they use pesticides too, but often in different amounts or they have different pesticides, but they're often still calling the exact same people because they can't sell their crops if the bugs are eating them. Right. They can't sell their crops if, if, if they're being, if they're, if they're gone. So it's like, it's just so funny to me that I don't even know if funny is the right word. It's funny and sad and scary. And there's a a lot of, of words that come to mind, but people think that they're buying something that's better when in reality is like, it's probably the exact same thing. They're using that, they're using that buzzword because then they can sell it for a higher price, all Mm -hmm. else equal, even though they have, you know, whoever in your DMs coming in the middle of the night to spray their crops. It's just crazy because I and, never. And we, have, we have to assume that's not the majority of organic farms in fairness. Or maybe it is. Maybe it is, but I, I would assume it's not. I would hope that it's not, I'll say. Yeah, I would say hope and assume. I mean, I get this message all the time. And what's crazy is I would, I've never heard this message put out publicly on like a mainstream podcast or in the research like this isn't something that shows up in a research study because this is something that happens people are paid extra for it and it, the whole concept is you have to keep it secret and so mm. this is one of those things where it's like you probably wouldn't hear about this and the yeah. the pesticide the comp- the pesticide company like why wouldn't they do it they're getting paid extra right so like they're getting paid more money and uh probably under the table cuz that probably can't show up on this like their tax returns or whatever it is right they would immediately like give their uh pharma like it wouldn't be good for for anyone involved so this is one of those things where it's like we wouldn't hear about this publicly and so it's interesting for me to be on the receiving end of of a relatively large audience and people being having access to so many people being like just so you know like this happens too and I'm sure it's not every single farm, but for it to happen every time I bring it up, and, and which is pretty frequently and different people, I, I would say it's pretty widespread. The deceit runs not only through the supplement industry, but straight into the, the mainstream organic fruits and vegetables market. So this is where then the next topic comes up and you'll see where I'm going with it. So the most recent time after I posted about it, it, it was trash day. And I'm putting out the recycling and the trash from my house. And I'm just thinking, and I don't know. I don't know. I'm just, I'm wondering. How do we know that they're actually separating the recycles from like the, the non-recycles? You know, you know what I mean? Like how do we, I'm, sh- I'm hoping they are, but how do we know that they're not just taking it to the same fucking place and just dumping it all together? You know what I mean? Yeah, I hear you. So I was just putting it out there. And I was like, and all these people who are like super, 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 I was like, have you ever seen it? Like, have you ever, have you ever seen it with your own eyes? Like where they put this stuff and then where it goes? That's, you know. I have not seen it. I don't know what the auditing or certification process is around recyclables. I know that uh, different trucks pick up my like the guy who picks up my trash is different from the guy Same. who picks up my recycle. Same. Yeah. Um, 
You know, I've never followed them to see where they're going with it. That's what I'm saying. How do we know? I guess we don't. I guess we don't for certain. I have faith in the system on that one. I would imagine That's someone weird. else would have you figured it out. usually don't have faith in the system. I'm surprised you've got faith in the system on that one. Yeah, I just, what, what's the incentive? Dude. If they're throwing it all in the same place, why make Black us rock. separate them? BlackRock, man. I'm <laughs> Who knows? I was wondering, when you, because you just sent me like, you know, not a lot of detail about what you wanted to talk about. And you were like, how yeah. do we know recycling goes where we think it does? I was like, what is this going to be? It's exactly what I wrote. How do we know where it goes? <laughs> you should follow If I the had truck just wrote recycling, time. I probably wouldn't have known what I meant by that. That's why I had to literally put the whole question in there. Smart. But my, like, ha- my thing is, even if we go and we see, like, how do we know then what, like, I don't know. We just, we don't know. I guess we just have to trust the system. But I'm getting to a point where it's like, I don't fucking trust the system, man. I just don't know. I think you can have distrust for certain elements of the system or different systems and trust in other systems. Uh, I'll have to think about this recycling one and and think of a way that we can be reasonably confident that our recyclables are getting recycled. Because then I see products that say, hey, this is made out of 100% recycled material. And I'm like, was it? You know? <laughs> <laughs> The distrust you know what is I mean? running strong in Jordan today. Dude, big time. Really big time. I had a buddy in college who was staunchly anti-recycling because he thought that it didn't matter. He thought it was like a, a scam of some sort, that it didn't actually <laughs> help the environment. if it actually does the, what they say they do, if, it, if they actually do recycle it, then I think it, I think it makes sense. I've just seen too much in my very short life. <laughs> what have you seen? Caused me to, to be very distrustful. Anything specific that you've seen that has made you distrustful about recycling in particular? Not about recycling, but about like news and government media, you know? Yeah. And big garbage. Big garbage is probably in that, that dark triad. I'm going to say big garbage, but definitely big government, you know? Well, the government isn't who picks up my recycling. It's a private company. Is that not a government job? No. I always thought that was a government job. Maybe in some states, but no. I don't know. No, there's a handful of businesses that that offer that service around here. and So, oh, wow. I would have thought the government would have taken care of that. Maybe it's different in Texas. Do you not pay someone to pick up your recycling? I pay someone. I thought that it was the government, but I have no <laughs> idea who it goes this is, to. <laughs> this, is a good, this is great. I think people are going to like this. I'm, I don't know. And again, I don't know. I've never followed them. I have no idea. I'm just raising the question. It's a it's a question worth asking. <laughs> All right. Let me let me ask you this hypothetical. If it's not the government picking up your trash and recycling, do you have more faith that it's going where they say it's going? I do have more. I have more. Not full faith, but I would have more faith. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. then what you really have to boil it down to is like it's still people running it. And so people like are in like not always going to do the right thing. And oftentimes like they just will do the easier thing. We see this all the time. I mean, for example, in the fitness industry, we see people be like, yeah, you're going to get an individualized training program. And they just copy and paste and give all their clients a one-on-one training program. And then on the, on the outskirts, you could be like, yeah, it's like great coaches. Look, they have all these certifications. But then when you get into the individuals, some coaches are doing really good. And some coaches are lying and cheating and not doing good. So it's like, 
people are the individuals are the one that really make it whether or not it's happening or not. So I have, I would have more faith in a private company than I would in the government because the private company is more based on like the, the quality and value of what they're saying is going to drive more income and it's going to drive their reputation, whereas the government doesn't have as much of that. So they could do more of the finagling and, and all that. So I, I would trust a private company more, but you know, private companies have also done bad stuff too. So pff, I don't know, man, I'm, I'm on one. Um, I don't know. I know very little about the garbage and recycling industry. So unfortunately I don't have much to add here, but of all the places of where my skepticism has gone over the years, that hasn't been on my radar. Not yet, but maybe now. Not yet. <laughs> where does your skepticism go? Let's give one of your like skeptic POVs. I don't think I have anything, at least not right now along the lines of like my skepticism would probably have more evidence go for it no i can't think of one can't think of i can't think of anything that parallels your recycling what okay. do, if you think you know something i'm skeptical about that i am not knowing you can say it i don't know i'm just like i know you've got skeptical thoughts well yeah i think we're being lied to a lot by a lot of different organizations but i think most people think that in this day and age got it yeah let's keep going down your list the, uh, the last one was bmi I just right. made a post about BMI and man, I didn't think people were going to get as mad as they did, but I got a lot of people who were super upset about it. And all I said was this, I said, I said, <laughs> uh, BMI has many faults. Like it does there. Are, it's not a perfect tool. It's not perfect, but the purpose of BMI is large scale general application to average everyday people, the average person. And I said that many people in the fitness industry love to go off on tangents and say BMI is worthless and it's stupid. When the people who are who initially started saying this were people who had a lot of extra lean mass and a relatively low body fat. So they were it was saying that they were overweight or obese. But that person isn't an average individual from the perspective of the BMI. That's not an average person. So it's just throw, throw the baby out with the bathwater and just say it's useless. It's worthless just because for you, it doesn't work is you are not representative of the vast majority of the people. Vast majority mm -hmm. of people do not work out every week. The vast majority of people do not have an excess or, or a, a, a lot of lean mass the vast majority of people do not have low body fat percentage. The vast majority of people have excess body fat and uh, are lacking in lean mass. And for them, the BMI actually is a very good tool. Again, it's if, if your doctor is only using the BMI, that's a big problem. But just as a general tool, it's actually a very good tool, with, which takes minimal time. And the number of people who got mad at me for that, I can't even begin to tell you how upset they were. And I know that these people, these are people who only follow accounts that make them feel good. And these are like, it, from the perspective of, they only follow accounts that give a message that makes them justify the way they're living, right? And as soon as a message comes across their desk or across their phone screen that says, maybe this isn't right. Maybe what you're doing isn't the best. They get so mad and so riled up that they're like, all right, fuck you. I'm out. This is wrong. You're stupid. Blah, blah, blah. Like they didn't even want to hear it. So, sorry if maybe I you said this and I missed it. 
were the people who are upset people who are like overly muscular, appear nope. to be overweight no. on B on BMI, maybe a 27 on BMI, but really they're like 10% body fat, like the bodybuilder kind of person? No, or it, it is it the to be person more like who, that. Or is it the person who's overweight or obese who is in like the healthy at every size fat acceptance kind that, of side? It was of, that. Okay. Okay. It was that. And, and a lot of them were which, throwing which is, out. Is wild to me that, and, and you said there are people who follow you because we talked about this one not a little anymore. bit before. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, but this wasn't like a, <laughs> the post went absolutely bonkers and this is all new audience and you hit a different echo Correct. chamber. These, these are people who follow you who think that there isn't a correlation between body fat percentage and health or a Correct. high BMI. There, there was literally one comment that said, I, I can't make this up. One of the commenters said, well, then how do you explain that people who have a higher body fat live longer? I can't even, make, I, like, I swear to God, someone wrote that. I was like, what? Hmm? <laughs> they're, they're being brainwashed. They're being brainwashed into thinking that like they're actually healthier because of, because of the way they're living, which is just wild. Weren't there some other, like when you, when you, cause you just wrote BMI when you texted it to me and I assumed we were going to go down the route of the personal trainer who I actually sympathize with and, and actually like their position when analyzing an individual, which is that BMI doesn't tell the whole story and that body fat percentage is, is a much more useful metric. Um, I thought it was going to be simply about that. Uh, and by the way, I don't like BMI at all for assessing an individual. For assessing a population, especially over time, it's an amazing tool. If I'm assessing an individual, body fat percentage is way better. Absolutely. 100%. Um, yeah. Uh, that doesn't mean BMI doesn't have its place and many useful applications. So I assumed that was going to be the extent of this discussion around BMI, which I find very interesting. There were other elements of it that blew my mind, if I remember. Like, wasn't there more to the people who were upset about it? I mean, there was one woman who, like, she's followed me for years. She literally, I looked in her DMs because I hadn't seen her DMs before. She had DM'd me prior, like, asking, hey, could you speak? She was a teacher. Could you speak to my class? Da, da, da. Like, I, I want you to speak to my class. Like, over the years, she sent me so many messages. And I posted that. And she just went off in the comments and unfollowed me and all of that. She was, like, really mad that I would have the gall to post that, saying that it's actually a, a good tool from a large-scale data perspective based on the average individual. Um, so, yeah, it was. I was pretty blown away by it. I had thought there were multiple DMs that where people were saying, like, BMI is racist. BMI is misogynistic. Oh, yeah, BMI too. is sexist. BMI is, yeah. It's racist, which is just wild. It's absolutely wild. Yeah. And they're saying it because the original study was done on white men. And that's like how they originally came up with BMI. But for me, it's like, okay, so that's how they originally did it. But you do realize that like most studies, if you look at historically studies, like it's off, like they don't like, especially historically, they haven't diversified just deliberately. So over the years of using BMI, we've collected a lot of data from all races and from men and women and like from everything. We've collected so much data. So while the initial study 
may have been on white men. That doesn't change all of the data that we've gotten since then that has then impacted BMI and the the knowledge that we now have on it. Even if the studies are on white men or Asian women or any gender slash ethnic group slash race, that doesn't make the metric racist. Just because you did studies on on certain segments of the population doesn't make the metric racist. I assume you were going to say the reason that people argued it was racist was because there were differences in BMI amongst different ethnicities. Like, I feel like that, if there was an argument, would be a better argument, which still isn't correct. Still isn't racist, but yeah. Right. Yeah. People are throwing that word around way too easily right now, where it's actually like diminishing from when someone does experience racism. It's like it's thrown around so much now that it's like you're taking away from the severity and the importance of this word when you just throw it around for for things that aren't actually racist. Correct. And what I really learned was that I am not on the internet at all because I thought that conversation was over. Like I thought calling random things like BMI racist was something that would have happened in 2021. I didn't know that was still happening at this point. Yeah, I haven't seen it as much until that post, but I think that triggered a lot of people. Hmm. I also did my Trump impression in a post yesterday, which got an overall good response. But one woman posted being like, why'd you have to bring Trump into it? I liked your content until then. And then I was like, I don't want you following me. I like wrote that. <laughs> it's like if me doing a shitty Trump impression triggers you like enough, like, please don't follow me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Your impression's good. So, I mean, it's getting it's better. No, it's it's no, getting better. It's I still no Shane Gillis, but it's good. Dude, Shane Gillis makes, Shane Gillis does his Trump impression better than Trump does Trump. Like Shane Probably. Gillis does Trump better than Trump does Trump. It's insane. Yeah. I think that's right. Um. Anything else on BMI? I mean, in terms of my legitimate thoughts, there's no question that body fat is the infinitely better tool to use. We also have to remember that like when you're going into a doctor's office, they're not able to accurately measure your body fat percentage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like they're so slammed. That, and then we could get into the whole healthcare system, blah, blah, blah. But like just stick with the topic at hand. Doing, doctors doing the best they can with what they have. They have this tool and they have this ability to assess you relatively quickly uh, based on large scale population data. And sorry, we didn't even hit this. BMI is just a height to weight ratio. Yeah. Yep. For the, for those who might not know. So while it may not apply to you individually, it does give the doctors a good idea as to like, okay, I have a general idea of like what needs to happen now. Now that to be to that being said, I don't think it plays that big of a role in terms of how that doctor should communicate with the patient. In fact, I don't think it should play really any role in terms of how you communicate with the patient based on their BMI. Um, generally, let's say it's an average individual and they have a very high BMI because they have a very high body fat percentage. The just telling them, "Hey, you've got a high BMI," or telling them like, "Hey, like you need to lose weight," usually is not doesn't even need to be said like it has to be said but it doesn't need to be said if that makes sense like it has to be said because the doctor's responsibility is their health and you need to do this for your health but it doesn't need to be said from the perspective of if someone is a higher body fat percentage like they fucking know like they're aware 
the doctor is their job. They still have to bring it up. But I think how they bring it up needs to be improved and the discussion they need to have, the, that they can have needs to be improved. The, how they refer them to people with, with better knowledge and understanding of more sustainable, l- healthy living uh, measures needs to be improved because right now they're just like, yep, lose weight, eat less, move more eat better, exercise. They don't really give much practical guidance. But um, mm. again, it's also because they don't have that much time. They're fucking slammed. They have, they have to see, 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 see new patients, new patients, new patients, new patients all the time. So it is also useful as a tool of seeing, okay, what population, uh, what's the general population trend? Where is that going over time? But mm. again, like if on the individual basis, the body fat percentage is a much better tool, but it's just not realistic. Yeah. The, the other place that, BMI is interesting is people who are very low on muscle and skinny fat and fall into like the top of the healthy range of BMI, mm, but mm-hmm. but might be like, you know, a 25 plus percent body fat dude, mm-hmm. a, a woman with body fat percentage in the 30s, but BMI looks good. That's another area where on an individual basis, it's nice to be able to uh, assess body comp in a different way. But like you said, the constraints of, of time, the knowledge that a doctor has and the inability to have an accurate tool to measure body fat percentage. Like you're not going to have every patient going on a DEXA and even a DEXA is not perfect. What's interesting. I had so many doctors and like different types of doctors messaging me about this, basically saying like, for example, I had one doctor who does skin grafting like for people who are burn victims or something. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh my God, like it makes a huge difference. Not only just in terms of the ability to do a good skin graft on a, on a burn victim, but the ability for the skin to heal quickly. Like the rate of healing changes based on your body fat percentage, based on your BMI. Like if you have a higher BMI, generally, again, higher body fat, lower muscle, the rate at which your skin will heal is also more difficult to to actually attach the skin graft. Uh, there are all things that I hadn't thought about that actually make a huge, huge, huge difference. Um, there were uh, a number of doctors in a number of different areas of medicine that were that could not possibly say how important it was. And there was actually one doctor that said, and the interesting thing is from the effect on the heart, well, obviously more muscle, less fat is, is very important for so many reasons. More mass is more mass and that can put more stress on the heart. And so even for people who have super physiological amounts of muscle who are adding a ton of extra muscle, not genetically, like not like it's not someone who's genetically put on muscle, like and reach their genetic limit. It's people who have put on super physiological amounts, steroids. like bodybuilders, steroids, who are, who have that also puts a lot of extra stress, extra stress on the heart and can make it way more difficult, which is why we don't generally see bodybuilders living very long lives or one reason Mm -hmm. why among others. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, in terms of the mass part of the the equation, mass is mass. And, And generally speaking, it's why when we look at generally centenarians or people who live very, very long lives, they also tend to be smaller people, right? Like you generally don't see like a six foot four person living outrageously long, not saying you can't, but large scale data, it's the small, and especially women, like smaller, petite women generally are the ones who live the longest, which, you know, there are many reasons for that, but mass being one of them. Yeah. Uh, There's, there's a sweet spot in terms of how much muscle is optimal for longevity. Um, Assuming you're not hopping on a bunch of steroids and like trying to put on as much muscle as possible, 
you're not going to naturally put on so much muscle that it's a problem for your heart uh, or like you risk um, cardiovascular issues. Um, the benefits of having a lot of strength and muscle, especially as you get into your 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, uh, are massive. And yeah, you know, just so we're not deterring people from adding muscle from well, the, that's why the, I kept saying super physiological steroids. Like, I know. And okay, maybe everyone knows what that means. I didn't, I wasn't sure. Yeah. Don't not try and build muscle because of this. Like, you're not going to build too much muscle unless you're taking an obscene amount of steroids and training like a high level bodybuilder. Yeah. Yep. Nailed it. I wonder how many people listening who are taking an obscene amount of steroids and training like a high level bodybuilder are like, I need a change. <laughs> uh, this podcast has changed my life. <laughs> Probably not many. Probably I not would many. bet none. I would bet none. Um, you know, you know what I would actually say? The ones who are listening already know what we just said Correct. and are con- yeah. and are conscious yeah, yeah. of it. So maybe yeah. they're maybe they're on like a base of test. Maybe they're. Uh, you know, they're not high level bodybuilders. Maybe they're more amateur, yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah. It, but they're doing it intelligently. They're doing it under the yeah. supervision of a doctor. Yeah. We, maybe we don't have, are. We, maybe. <laughs> we don't have someone with 280 pounds and like 5% body fat listening to this podcast. And like, oh, maybe I should tone it down a little for my heart health. I, I think there Watch are zero of email from someone, from some Chad, just being like, I'm actually 5% body fat, 280, and my life. Jordan just used the word Chad. That's incredible. Uh, have you been on Twitter? No. No, I have not. Did you learn Chad from me, or have you seen it out there on the internet? From you. You haven't seen it on the internet? No. Cool. Good. I just like to know where we're at. I like to know what... I like to know when my echo chamber bumps up against someone else's. What else? What else is on your list? Bring back the BMI. Um, I think that was it. That's all that I messaged you. Uh, We said we would review. We made a list of things that we're going to focus on. Last week was real hype. I know you don't remember. What? Artificial sweeteners. I don't remember at all. You were like, we're bringing back clean eating. Clean eating's coming back. We're bringing it back. Okay. Yep. Stretching, cardio, minimal process, sugar now? slash desserts. Dude, we made a list last week. Okay. We so wanted we to make a week? list. I was like, we're making a list and we made a list. I was okay. just checking in to see how we're doing on our list. But oh, you forgot oh, we oh, even oh. have it. So I'm <laughs> guessing not very good. <laughs> we're making a list. We already made the list. This is the list that we made one week ago. I was literally like, oh man, all right, let's start making a list. <laughs> this is the list dude no i'm doing good i've had our artificial sweeteners i've had i've had some diet coke diet sodas it's not, it's not all or um, nothing it's directional progress but, but is what we i care am about. i make sure that i have a full one of these and for people watching youtube a full a full massive massive thing of water before i have any before i have any diet soda so i have a big one of these this is actually a sick jug by the way there's like just a little bit of water left, but like, look, right over my computer, nothing, doesn't spill, nothing, nothing. It's all good. It's a sick jug. Um, and I think I've changed my mind. I used to be like all smaller water as a bottle. Um, remember when I said that? When I was like, I like this smarter, smaller water bottles because like I could just keep filling it up more and more and more. Yep. But that ended up becoming a task 
where mm-hmm. I was like, ah, got to keep filling it up. Whereas now it's just like, all right, here's just, here's what I got to have before like noon or whatever. And that way, boom, it's, I don't need to keep filling it up. Don't need to go back. So even though it is less convenient from the perspective of the size is sort of annoying to carry around, it's more convenient from the perspective of, I don't need to keep filling it up. So I'm still trying to figure out my, my best way to get more water in there. But as of right now, I'm a big, big water bottle guy. What's fun is as someone who doesn't struggle with water, you know, we all have things that we, that come more naturally you don't struggle to us. with anything. Yeah. I struggle with lots. The, the problems and issues that people who struggle with water have are similar. And I feel like this isn't mm. discussed because there's the strategy of, okay, I want a smaller water bottle. One, because then I'm going to build momentum and confidence because I feel like I'm actually finishing it. Two, because uh, I like to chug water and I don't want to feel overly full. I don't like that feeling. Like those are two very yep. commonly espoused ideas That's around me. that. Both of so those then, are me. Then, but then going to the big water bottle is easier, right? You don't have to fill it up as often. But for some, it's demotivating because they feel like it's too much water to drink. They feel like they're never going to be able to drink that much water. There are pros and cons. Dude, real pro- and. It's just so big that it's annoying to carry around. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then if I have it in my car, sometimes it'll fall over and, you know, it's that, that big water bottle is, can be, it can be a little bit annoying, but this one, it's called the hydro drug, not getting paid for it. But yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan. What's that one you got? It was whatever was cheapest on Amazon, but it's a- uh, Is it's, it plastic? Yeah, it's plastic. I know. Oof. I know. Well, it's not like the plastics that- the study was done on with the 240,000 microplastics. Um, I like it because it's half a gallon and the half a gallon metal options are a little more annoying. I have a 40, uh, uh, 40 ounce metal that I don't like as much. Yeah. Got it. Okay. How else are we doing? Cardio, stretching, clean eating. Oh, dude. Stretching, I hit a I hit a personal record with my middle splits for the first time in like three months the other day, which I was really excited about. Nice. Dude, stretching, pfft, I'll tell you what, my idea of stretching, I'm trying to figure out the best way to say this. I didn't realize how much strength could be involved in stretching when you stretch, I'm not going to say in the right way, but in a different way. And so a lot of the stretching that I'm doing is very high intensity isometric holds at the end range of where I can currently go. Mm -hmm. And bro, it's pretty fucking wild. This, not only the strength that I'm building at these end ranges, but then what that carries over to in terms of flexibility improvements. It's been, it's been remarkable. Definitely flexibility improvements. I feel like I'll believe it when I see it, but I feel like the I'm getting stronger by stretching might be the 2024 version of lift weights faster for cardio. No, 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 no. Because I'm not saying it takes the place of lifting weights. Okay. That's not what I'm saying. Okay. I, like you, you still have to lift weights in order to maximize your strength. Or or even to improve or even to get stronger. Um, no, because I think strength is is skill it's a skill and it's also demand specific right so like my i could deadlift 500 pounds 
but I wasn't able to do an isometric hold with my legs at a certain degree, uh, like at a certain width, right? Like I couldn't do an isometric hold. That's actually why I ended up hurting my knee the first time around doing the splits because my I hadn't built up my strength enough to maintain that position. So strength is is demand specific relative to what you're putting your body under. So for example, like a deadlift is very specific based on where your feet are uh, and and the actual proportions of the lift and and where your body is. But when you change the leverages of where your body is, the strength and the demand on your body changes. So I think you can absolutely get stronger, but in terms of like, obviously this, the split strength probably won't carry over to my deadlift strength, just like the deadlift strength won't carry over to my split strength, but I'm still getting stronger when I'm doing both. Um, so the limiting factor in not being able to do splits wasn't flexibility. It wasn't, uh, uh, neurological. It was, no, it was, it was, it was, a, all it was a strength. It was a, okay. I, it, it was so, neurological. It was strength. It, it, it was, it was all of it combined. What, what wasn't strong enough that got stronger? Uh, so, I mean, I think the reason that I hurt my knee was because the muscles and tendons around my, my, the lateral aspect or sorry, the medial aspect of my knee weren't strong enough. And so I've been doing a lot of strengthening just for that, whether it was the isometric work or, um, even just like, uh, basic adductor raises, uh, Copenhagen planks. Um, there's been a lot of very specific isolated strength training for those areas. It's still like strength training. It's just not the strength training that we've been brought up with. It's still strength training though. And so that's where I think like, um, I would, I would imagine that this like type a, of training, a, a, a static hold, a body yep. weight static stretch, you're, yep. you would call strength training. Uh, now I would before hmm. I wouldn't now I absolutely would where, because think about this, think about this. Let's say we you take Van Damme, Jean-Claude Van Damme doing his splits out to the sides, legs up on the chair, right? You know what I'm talking about? Yep. He's doing that side split legs up on the chair. That's number one, an expression of his flexibility in terms of being able to get in that split, but it's also an expression of his strength in terms of he's now literally holding up his body weight purely with his adductors and groin in that position, right? That takes an obscene amount of strength to hold 185 pounds or whatever it is purely with your adductors. You don't get that level of strength without strength training. Like someone might have the flexibility to get in the splits like that, sideways splits. Sure. But they don't have the strength to hold themselves up. Mm. And so that's where I think the there are some people who classically stretch or like static stretching, but they end up missing the strength benefits. So this type of strength training or, and, and mobility work that I've been doing is it's both. It's not just static stretching. It's it's actually very little static stretching. It's far more strength training, isometric training at these end ranges that allow you to build strength, not just muscular strength, but also tendon and ligament strength. And that's where I think I went wrong the first time around is that's why I think I got injured. Now, I don't think it has, at, it's obviously not the same type of full range of motion, like eccentric, isometric, concentric strength training. I think it's a different type of strength training that they both complement each other. But if you don't do both, then you won't get the benefits of both. You can't do one and expect to get the benefits of other. the other. I think you actually, to get the benefits of both, you need to do both. And so it's been, it's been a very cool learning experience for me. You are, you just put on 
and have been putting on a clinic and people don't even know it and and they will in a certain time they will this is a this is a business podcast without people even knowing it's a business podcast but they're going to realize how much of a business podcast it is dude big time but it's pretty sick though right (laughs) yeah (laughs) this this is if if you're in the mentorship, you know all about this and you may even understand. You probably do. But this is building anticipation like no one has ever built anticipation. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, I, I still am not fully on board here in terms of <laughs> like, <laughs> like a, a body weight hold at end range might get you stronger, mm-hmm. but it's nowhere near the best or more e- efficient way to get stronger. Well, I never said it's the most efficient, but I would say, I here's what I would say. In terms of typical, our typical idea of strength training, dumbbell rows, push-ups, chin-ups, all this stuff, right? Like that's our typical idea of strength training, right? We're, we're working through a, a range of motion. And we're working the muscles through range of motion. But this is taking the idea of strength training and expanding it outside of purely from a muscular perspective and now thinking, okay, tendon, ligament, joint perspective as I see. well. I see. Okay. And, right? Because so strength doesn't see- only apply to muscles. It also but, applies to the tendons and ligaments that are involved as well. I'm, I'm fully and, on board with that. But you were talking about your adductors. Correct. Which also definitively get stronger. And there actually is get, research. But, but, that's but, that's, like, but bro, that's like saying you would get a stronger chest if you just held the bottom of a push-up position in an isometric. It's like, well, yeah, you get stronger. You, you get stronger, but no one does that for strength because we have these tools that allow you to gain strength much faster and much more efficiently, which is why gym equipment exists. Correct. And I'm I'm not saying that, again, this shouldn't replace typical strength training, but I think it complements it unbelievably well. For and sure. I think because I haven't trained at these end ranges, I'm essentially experiencing newbie gains for, because think about this. If, if you have a client doing um, dumbbell rows, for example, say dumbbell rows and their posture sucks right? Their posture is terrible. So they're doing it in like a relatively short range of motion. So, and you're not going to like, you're still going to have them do dumbbell rows, but like maybe they're, you're just going to expect it to improve over time as their posture improves, as their thoracic mobility improves, as their thoracic mobility improves, they get a more upright posture. Their range of motion increases now. And as that range of motion increases, they might actually need to reduce the weight because they're accessing range that they haven't used before. They're accessing a range like, all right, I haven't been here before. Now I'm using a bigger range of motion. I need to reduce the weight because I'm training my muscles in a range that haven't been trained yet because my posture sucked. So now they can get stronger in a range they haven't been to before just from improving their posture. Yeah, because they have an increase in mobility and flexibility. Exactly. Which allows them them to access more range 100%. I agree. Yeah. I agree. And that's that's why flexibility and mobility complement strength, but they're different. And but well, I, flexi- I agree, yeah they do but I and I agree but, with you that what you're doing with splits is strengthening tendons and ligaments absolutely and muscles it has to and, and muscles think about this, like if I'm if but, I'm but accessing beyond, a, a range I haven't accessed before I'm accessing a range that I've never been to before and then in this range that I've never been to before 
I am now isometrically holding myself in this position that I've never been to before. And I'm actually even doing a very slow eccentric contraction is really probably a better way to describe it because I'm slowly getting further and further out. So as I go further and further out, I do this slow eccentric, then I do an isometric and I'm holding in a range I've my muscles have never experienced before because I haven't had the mobility to do that. And so if we're thinking about how do we get someone stronger to do chin-ups, someone who's never done chin-ups before, slow eccentrics. They're not doing the concentric. We might have them do a con- an isometric hold at the top, slow eccentric all the way down until they are strong enough to then do that concentric. Eventually, you could do that same thing with a split where you slowly go out on, on these slides and then concentrically bring them back in. That's an obscene level of strength, but it would still require muscular strength in order to do that. More range of motion doesn't mean stronger though. I, I never said it does. Okay. I said you are you now have access to get to train your muscles in a range of motion that you haven't been to before. So now you can train your muscles to get stronger in that new range of motion. If, if I do a chin up and I get my chin to the bar with three plates hanging from me versus doing a body weight chin up and I get half an inch above the bar, which is stronger? It depends how we're defining stronger in this, like, cause you are now training your muscles in a range they haven't been to before. So I would say if you could then, if you could go from three plates, chin to bar, but then you could eventually work up to three plates. No, 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 I guess obviously, ob- obviously if it's the same weight, the bigger range is stronger, but I'm saying three plates Correct. hanging from you, half an inch less ra- range of motion compared to no weight hanging from you. Yep half an yep. inch more range of motion, which of those two is stronger? I don't know if you can compare the two. Let me ask you this, because I'll use the exact same example. Three plates, chin to bar versus uh, body weight, chest to bar, for example. No, no, no. Half an inch. Half an inch different. I'm not saying a big difference in range, because I'm just talking about that extra okay. quarter inch that you're gaining, because yep. it's more range. So, but are you able, Let in this example, as the person who's doing the three plates, chin to bar, are they able to body weight go get that extra half inch is that range accessible Uh, to them i would imagine yes okay so in in that case then you're you're using more force in order to to and you're using more force to get three plates plus your body chin to bar no question you're using more force yep right but in that if let's use the same exact range of motion let's use this not let's use the same exact weight Three plates to add it on your body. Well, then a, then a bigger One range of, of motion a is stronger. Of, motion. of course, I completely agree. That's but, exactly what I'm but saying. when we're comparing so body- So when you have a bigger range of motion, bo- you have to train your body to get stronger. But when we're comparing body weight to using weights- Yep. That's what I'm getting at. But it's it's But I mean, I could do a split holding weights. So it's not necessarily about holding but, but weights. That wouldn't be the most it's about efficient the range. But you wouldn't you wouldn't train your adductors isometrically. You would take you do ten sets of good girls. Or, or you do something to take your adductors through a range of motion. Correct. But what if with those good girls, you couldn't access the range that you want? That's what I'm then, saying. Then you have less flexibility. You have less, less, less flexibility. But then it, the, the good girls, that's a very specific strength movement. That's just one function of the adductors. Correct. The adductors don't just function in that way. They also function other, in it, other it, movement it was patterns. One, it was one loaded example. Right. Yeah. It, and that's what I'm saying is there is strength is demand specific. And so that's just one example of strength. Another example of strength is being able to hold yourself up in a split isometrically. That's another 
another example. Let me ask you this. If you're standing up and, and you're going to eccentrically lower yourself into the bottom of a split, is that strength training for your adductors? I'm not saying that what you're saying is not strength training. I'm saying it's not efficient strength training. I'm saying it's stretching. I think efficient is relative based on what your goal is. Okay. If your goal is, if your goal is to get stronger. Stronger for what? Like stronger to, to do good girls, stronger to do squats, stronger to do rows, or stronger to be able to do like the Van Damme style split. I think the, the goal makes it whether or not it's efficient. That, that, that's true. That's true. And, and the goal is being able to do the split because that's a goal you want to be able to do the split. Correct. Yep. But it's stretching. <laughs> All right. And no, and no one's going to market me into thinking they're not. Dude. I mean, it's obviously stretching for sure. And I would say it's more a display of flexibility and mobility than of strength. But let me, all right, let me ask you this. Iron cross, is that more a display of flexibility or strength? I don't know what that is. The iron cross in, in the gymnastics, when they, they take the rings and just holding their hands. And if someone Googles the iron cross, they'll see the gymnast is holding their body out completely to the side just it's, with their it's, arms. It's strength because there's no impressive range of motion with that movement. But then they can come from here all the way overhead, which is an impressive range of motion. Not really. And then come down. Anyone of course can it put, is. If, anyone if you, can put their arms no. over their heads. No one can do the splits. No, dude, you know that. No, you take like a 60-year-old, like, and not, not even any, a 60-year-old, but we, I, I'm, we talk I'm about people I'm who facetious. have overhead Com range of motion. Compa compare the 60-year-old's overhead ROM to his splits. His overhead range of motion is going to be better. Correct. Agreed. A hundred percent. But that's a, an example of me saying that when you can hold yourself in that position, you can do that Van Damme style split. I would say it's more an expression of flexibility and mobility than it is strength. But I do think it is a tremendous expre expression of strength as well to be able to do it. And you can't do it if you haven't trained the strength for it. I, I think deadlifting four times your body weight is a expression is an impressive expression of strength. I mean, I agree for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know you do. I agree for sure. Link in bio for Jordan's. All you need to do is stretch and you'll get stronger. I'm never saying that. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. But you can get stronger through stretching. It's a terrible way to get stronger. Not if you do it right. <laughs> no. If you want to get more flexible, if you want to be able to do the splits, if you want more mobility, I mean, what is the benefit of super physiological levels of flexibility? I, mean, I don't even know what super physiological flexibility is. Extreme, right? Like, like, like very impressive versus adequate ranges. Yeah. Because yep, yep. we know having adequate ranges is going to help with pain. But I, I think that the benefits of excessive mobility – are this are similar to the benefits of excessive strength. You take it mm. to the extreme mm. and it yeah. become and it can actually become a, a big issue. Um now I think the the this what's important to clarify is oftentimes people will and I shouldn't say oftentimes, but there are many people who will develop extreme levels of mobility or maybe even have extreme levels of mobility. We could call it from like Ehlers Danler syndrome or I forget the exact name, but EDS where they're so hypermobile, but they lack the stability in order to control it. So if you build high levels of flexibility, but 
along with the accompanying strength I have, and which basically means you now have the ability to control your body through that range. I would imagine it's very difficult to build too much because you are balancing it with with sufficient stability and strength to control your body through that range. Whereas I think most times when you see people building excessive strength, they're building excessive strength number through through uh, oftentimes not enough range of motion. They don't have enough range of motion uh, in other areas, yep. and they're also often overloading their body and we'll call it their spine, their hips, they're overloading things that are, are past a point of benefit and you can do both in mobility or in strength. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. It's cool. Super cool. Yeah. Like the, like going, going from not strong at all to relatively strong is beneficial. Going from relatively strong to excessively strong is only beneficial for very specific things and in general might have more cons than pros. Correct. And I mean, and we can see whether we're talking about bodybuilders or any elite athlete. So we could even use gymnasts, elite gymnasts. I would venture to say that if you speak to most elite gymnasts, 10, 20, 30 plus years after they're competitive, a huge number of them will have major issues with pain. And it, could partly be due to such high levels of mobility that were not balanced properly, but also I would imagine overuse injuries probably be more likely. So for example, one major thing with gymnasts is they, they really hyperextend their lower back over, they, they land, boom, hyperextension, land, hyperextension, land, hyperextension. That's like when they land from a vault, boom, mm -hmm. they go up super hyperextension. They do that hundreds and thousands of times. You're putting a lot of stress on the spine. Um, so it could be excessive mobility without enough stability to go with it. But I think anyone taking anything taking the extreme, whether it's strength or flexibility, can be detrimental. Okay. I agree. You know who who I think is a really good example of outrageous levels of strength with high levels of mobility is Juji Mufu. You know Juji Mufu? Yeah. Well, I mean, no, I don't know him, but I've seen him do the Van the Jean-Claude Van Damme thing. Yeah. Dude is the Van Damme splits. He did it with like I forget if it was eighty five or hundred and eighty five pounds. Where which is like fucking wild. And like, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Good for him. <laughs> Splits just never spoke to me. Just never like, I don't know. I feel you, man. No, you don't. Because they, they speak to you. No, I get it. Like, I know that they haven't spoken to you. No, not they haven't. They don't. <laughs> they never will. I'll never want to do splits. I will say, man, I was thinking like even today, putting my socks on, I just feel good. Bro, I feel, am I feel amazing. And that's, that's- I love that, man. But that's <laughs> that's why I brought up the point about adequate versus excessive- Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ranges. Yep. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. There, I forget They're who cool. said it. There was a great quote how I much saw yesterday. How much, money it was you, like, how much money do you think that guy's made off of being able to do the splits, being jacked and hold weight? Millions. Like eight figures, not not nine figures. I would imagine. So I would say like his business is worth more than eight figures. I don't know if yeah, he's probably made more than eight figures. I would imagine. I mean, I don't know really anything about his business model, but the potential f absolutely worth more than eight million for sure. People like the splits. I think people like people like to see high levels of proficiency in something that most people can't do. And now I think 
there, there have been so many people who are just powerlifters or just bodybuilders or just marathon runners. And now we're seeing people like, well, I can be a bodybuilder and I can be a, a gymnast and I can be this and I can be that. And that's where I think people are like, it's sort of like what happened with geared powerlifting. Geared powerlifters were squatting a thousand pounds when they had a squat suit on. And then all of a sudden you get these raw lifters with no extra equipment are squatting a thousand pounds and people are like, I don't give a shit about geared powerlifting anymore. Like he's doing it yeah. without any equipment. That is way cooler. And so now you see people who are like, well, wow, that person can deadlift 500 and do the splits and run a sub five, a sub sub five mile. Like that's pretty fucking wild. I think that's what people are are really impressed with right now. Not being a one trick pony. Interesting. And, and then the benefit of that is just whatever you want to do with the additional attention. Yeah. Hundred percent. Like if you can, if you can pull five hundred and run a five minute mile, you get more attention that you can then sell to or do whatever you want. Compared to if you can only pull, or if if you're only a runner and your audience is less as a result. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, it's an easy way to get more attention, right? Like, so a lot of these people who do the splits, like they'll start their videos of them dropping into a split. Boom, you immediately mm. have someone's attention, right? Or mm. like someone who can do crazy muscle ups or a pistol squat or something that is not common is a very easy, almost like a cheap way to get attention because now you don't have to focus on what words you're using. You can just do something, which like fair play to them. I get it. Like that's awesome. It's an easy way to grab attention and almost to then immediately say, look, I am an authority, even though it's a fallacy look, I'm an authority because I can do this. I would say it's 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 a fallacy, especially for people who are just born hypermobile. Yes. People who had to earn it definitely have more authority in teaching others how to do it. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, same thing. You see someone benching 500 or, or doing outrageous levels of strength at the beginning of their video. You're like, I'll watch. Like, it just depends on what, like you see a person doing a split and you immediately keep scrolling. But you see someone, I don't know, Connor Bedard doing some crazy fucking move. You're like, all right, I'll watch this whole thing. Or you see, I don't know, crazy I'm, puck handling. I don't know what you're into. Well, but I like, I don't scroll. Whatever, I don't something's going to grab your attention. You see almonds. You see someone eating almonds and talking about gut health. All of a sudden, you're like, I'll watch this fucking video. I don't listen to anyone talk about that. I just do that. <laughs> almonds are great. <laughs> um, I've been putting them on my salad. Yeah, that's a good use. I like it. It makes it a little crunch. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Going, swapping out a lot of processed sugars and getting a lot of those calories, not a lot of those calories, but some of those calories back via almonds, like a serving or two per day has been amazing for my digestion. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's big. I like that a lot. I mean, almonds are fantastic. Good pod. Thank you everyone for listening. We appreciate it. We hope you enjoyed this little strength, mobility, flexibility debate. If you like the podcast, please leave a five-star review. They help a lot. And uh, if you want to join us in the mentorship, you can apply at the link in the show notes. And uh, I think that's all we're going to say. Have a wonderful week. Talk to you soon. See you next week. Goodbye.